can't handle the truth. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Perception Management. This is the second hour of August 15th, 2021. Um, you know, Hitler's eugenics program, or pogrom, I guess you could call it, was modeled after what he saw here in the United States, and this is well documented. And, of course, this comes from the Sterilization Act of 1924 of Buck versus Bell. And it's interesting, if you do any research on this, you wouldn't believe how many counter-programs are running where people are, uh, scientists and stuff, are getting paid millions of dollars to screw with the RNA and DNA of people's bodies to change their chromosomes, all this stuff, to make the pills, the patches, uh, implants and stuff like that to sterilize someone, you know? And... Uh, Back then, it set the legal precedent that states may sterilize inmates or of these public institutions because the court argued that this being like an imbecile or something with or epilepsy or feeble-mindedness, which describes all U.S. politicians, uh, was uh, a detriment to society and they, they should basically be uh, outed. And that's the same premise that uh, Hitler was uh, using and on the 2nd of May, 1927, in an 8-to-1 decision, the U.S. Supreme Court ordered that the that Carrie Buck, feeble-minded daughter of a feeble-minded mother and herself the mother of a feeble-minded child, be sterilized under the 1924 Virginia uh, uh, eugenical uh, steriliz sterilization. Uh, but, you know, there's more evidence that the current vaccines sterilize both women and men as well as abort children that are in the womb as well as the deliberate deaths caused by this democide so not only through foreign policy that has murdered millions we now have a domestic policy where again I've played you the clip of former uh, Prime Minister Gordon Brown who was exiting Davos and who freely said quote we'll decide who lives and who dies Unquote. On July 14th in 1934, the National Socialist of Germany passed a law for the preservation of genetically diseased offspring, also known as the sterilization law, and other nations around the world would uh, have similar laws much earlier than the NSDAP. The claim was that on, not only was the National Socialist who sterilized the mentally ill but is yet another example of this anti-German propaganda then, because everyone's doing it. I remember when Israel was practicing on those young Ethiopian children and stuff. Uh, the only non-whites recorded to be sterilized were 500 children born of sexual relationships between German women and black French soldiers who had been used to occupy the Rhineland area after World War One. In terms of law, an individual could be sterilized if, in the opinion of the special established courts, they suffered from any genetic disease. And nowadays, the way we have our court system is I'm seeing reporters and stuff that are being locked up and stuff just because they are, it's said that they're mentally unstable. In other words, you're not following with what the government wants, and so we'll have to get rid of you. And, of course, back then, some of these diseases included schizophrenia, epilepsy, Huntington's uh, uh, 
guess that's uh, chorea, uh, blindness, and severe uh, schizophrenia. Today, you can soon add the unvaxxed to that list, as well as if you're a Trump supporter or you believe the election was stolen, as well as those who erase their browser history or use crypto and those who don't submit to tyranny, which would include but not limited to owning a gun or being white. These are what they, they are doing there. There's even a Homeland Security alert, which Alan brought out on the prior show of uh, everyone being called a domestic terrorist now. Remember, these people are put in, in place to protect your rights and your liberties. Far thing for they're doing. And, uh, of course, back then, records show that in 1945, just under 400,000 ethnic Germans were sterilized out of a population of about 70 million. And I don't know about a lot of people there, but when you're young, uh, of course, in our day, we used to grow up dreaming about having a family and children and stuff. Today, they they grow up thinking about having sex with whoever they want and, of course, not having to pay for a child or getting some disease like AIDS. But anyway, so Roe versus Wade. Uh, this is one of these things uh, like China where the United States through the UNFPA uh, spent over $100 million, 112 something like that, to help China with its one-child policy. Trump ended that in 2017. Uh, but as the article brings out, it says the amount of babies aborted under that policy would have been the entire population of the United States. And if you want to think of that in scope, try thinking of piling up 327 million babies or fetuses and seeing how gross that is. You can imagine what God would think about something like that. And whereas the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the laws banning abortion violated the U.S. Constitution, the Texas Abortion Law, Articles uh, 1191 through 1194 and 1196 of the Texas Penal Code made abortion illegal and criminalized those who perform that. And, you know, this, uh, there, there's always a ray of hope out there, and I'll admit that like, that, like someone is standing up, like down in Texas and Florida where someone whether it's Abbott or DeSantis and stuff that, uh, oh, they're working for people's rights. And then they turn around, they, they zap you in the rear or something like that, you know. But, uh, but I look at it this way here. We're looking at an alleged pandemic where it is, it's alleged that millions of people are dying. And don't you find it interesting that the abortion clinics are staying open as well as billions of dollars in arms are still being sold that kill people. So, anyway. And then we have those that push things on people. And that is called the civil battery or tort. And that battery is considered as a civil wrong when it's done with intent, but not the wrongdoer or perpetrator does not have any specific injury to cause to someone. But he had the knowledge about the fact that his act would certainly lead to injury of someone else. I had a video I was going to play here. It was a young black girl who was uh, administering vaccinations, and she was just laughing up a storm about all the people. Who, I, I think she had an F word in there or something like that about how, you know, these, they're all fools and stuff, you know. And she says, I'm not getting vaccinated, but she was referring to that. So this to me is like it's uh, intent. This would be part of that tort battery, knowing that the possible injury. And if you were to look at Nuremberg uh, uh, laws and stuff, that would be just like the soldier who said, I was just following my orders. So uh, now here's one for you. This is uh, the hubris of the day. Uh, Pfizer does not mandate vaccines for employees. Internal documents suggest that Pfizer does not require coronavirus vaccinations of its employees. This is Israel. So good enough for me, but not good enough for thee. You can think of all those in power today who have helped enact these policies not only towards abortion, but also toward the illegal wars that additionally killed millions, as mentioned and all based on total lies. All in the case of these abortions, we now have the Me Too movement and my body, my choice. But when it comes to the alleged vaccines uh, known to kill or injure, you're not supposed to have that choice. 
In fact, think of all those uh, playing along with it to keep you uh, from living and deciding your own life or taking your own decisions. This is how bad things are. And as mentioned earlier, those like Bill Gates who want you to eat worms uh, over a juicy steak. I'd rather have the juicy steak myself. Uh, or to take his supported vaccines. Uh, we're all in this together, just like you're either with us or against us. Yes, there are people out there who would rather have you dead than for them to go against any of their own beliefs. Or if you curtail, they're going out to a movie. Uh, it reminds me of in school when someone used to do something wrong and the teacher used to penalize the entire classroom. And usually that kid got thumped up on. Well, that's what they're trying to do, is they're trying to turn fellow Americans against each other. Uh, I mean, this is this is where they're headed. In uh, 2013, George Church and his colleagues at Harvard University in Cambridge, Massachusetts, published an RNA-guided uh, human genome uh, engineering the uh, via this uh, CAS9 in which they detailed their use of RNA-guided CAS9 to genetically modify genes in the human cells. Like I said, I just caught that, uh, but I started uh, clicking on these uh, different things. I couldn't believe there's thousands of these articles. Everyone manipulating the RNA and DNA of someone else's body, and this must be good. These guys are getting paid big money for this. And uh, I don't think uh, anyone has the right to play God with your life. Uh, and where we see uh, this uh, immunology uh, professor Brian Bridle says there is no pandemic of the unvaccinated which we all knew that uh, this is what they're pushing uh, Joe Biden saying that uh, there's a pandemic of the unvaccinated uh, they're, they're killing people well healthy people don't kill people sick people might anyway and then Dr. Robert Malone, who is the inventor of the uh, uh, mRNA, he said uh, in a tweet, Pfizer and Israel made agreements to hide the COVID-19 vaccine adverse reactions for 10 years. That is criminal, and that shows intent. And note, as Dr. Malone said, it was Israel, not China, that uh, wants to hide the adverse effects of their alleged vaccines. There was a picture of a young boy uh, with a oxygen thing stuck in his nose. And the photo said, tragic. Infant's first words turned out to be last. I wish I had gotten the vaccine. Marcus Smith, 10 months old, said his first and last words before succumbing to the COVID-19. So at 10 months old, huh? Jeez, it was... Imagine what it took you to get your children to say dad, dad, or mama, you know. And here at 10 months old, he said, I wish I had gotten the vaccine. You see how this is criminal? And there's actually people that, you know, oh, that poor little kid. Um, where we at? All right. So with that here, uh, here's what's really going on right now. So with that, Mr. Producer, clip number four. And, and they basically police the model. And, and what has been happening now, and it's been ongoing for 20 years, is we are coming into a significant change in both the governance and, and, the, and the financial model. So, uh, so the currency system is in flux globally, and that's part of what's happening. It's part of why there's a demand for reset. In anticipation of this, though, for the last 20 or 30 years, the central banks have been moving significant money out of the sovereign governments. So we have known for many decades that there was going to be a problem when the baby boomers retired. And the reality is the central banks have moved that money out of the government. I call it the financial coup. And there's been tremendous funny business going on with federal accounts in the United States for a long time. And we're now in the consolidation where if, if all that money has been moved out of the government, and the retirees want it, you need an excuse as to why it's not there. You know, enter the magic virus. So from a financial standpoint, COVID-19 is helping provide the air cover for the fact that many of the promises that have been made are not going to be kept. When you talk about money being moved or hidden or, you know, using the virus sort of as a cover-up, exactly what 
how much money are we talking about is sort of missing from what we expect. Like those of us that are, have retirement plans, right. what we believe our nation is worth and what's sitting inside of the governing banks that you talk about, how much is currently missing when you're, you're talking about that? So the federal government has refused since 1998, fiscal 1998, to produce audited financial statements as required by law. Okay. So imagine if you refuse to give the government a report about how much money you made last year right. to the IRS. So, so the federal government has refused to produce audited financial statements. But we know from the financial statements that they have produced that there's over 21 trillion of undocumentable adjustments by 2015. Professor Dr. Mark Skidmore did a survey um, in 2017 and published his results. And at the two agencies that have been missing money, we have very significant issues. Now, what's happened is pressure was put on the federal government to finally produce those audited financial statements. And in 2018, they adopted a policy called Federal Advisory Federal Federal Accounting Standards Advisory Board uh, Statement 56, FASB 56, which takes the position that they can keep secret books. And what that now means is the federal government, well, if you and I were to look at the financial statements, we have no idea what they mean because they have decided as a matter of policy, a secret group of people by a secret process can take whatever portion of the financial statements they want private. Now, I would describe that as a coup d'etat, but here's what you need to understand. The Western democracies in the United States have been run with a two-pronged financial system. On one side, you have a private banks with the central bank, the Federal Reserve, who are managing monetary policy. On the other side of the House, you have an electorate voting for representatives who manage the tax flow and the credits that relate to that, so the Treasury market. So you have this balance of power between the people and the bankers. And now what is happening under the guise of COVID-19 is the bankers have decided they no longer want to share power with the electorate or the people's representatives. And whether through FASB 56 or levering the governments up so they're deeply in debt and dependent on the central banks, the central banks have decided essentially to take over. And the ultimate sort of completion of this will be when they introduce digital currencies controlled and operated by the central bank. Why is that important? Because they won't be currencies, Dell. They will be a financial control system. To implement that system, they need the vaccine passports. And the goal of the vaccine passports have nothing to do with health. They have to do with implementing a new digital financial transaction system, which is, in essence, complete control. So I call it a slavery system. Uh, Dr. Naomi Wolf said vaccine passports are the end of human, human liberty in the West. And she's absolutely right. So when you say digital currencies, you know, at many of these events I've been speaking at, uh, many of my friends are, you know, big on Bitcoin or Ethereum saying this is our way forward. This is how we set ourselves free. This is how we break free of those power mongers running the world. And it sounds like you're saying, no, that's exactly how they finish the death blow. This is not what the central bankers are planning. And I sent your staff a 56-second of the video of the Bank of International Settlements general manager, Karstens, explaining right. exactly what it meant. Okay, we've got Can you it. Play right. it. Yeah, let's play it. Let's okay. see what they said. Okay. Our analysis on CBDC in particular for the use of general, to the general use, uh, we tend to establish the equivalence with cash. Uh, and there is a huge difference there. Uh, for example, in cash, uh, we don't know, for example, who's using a $100 bill today. We don't know who is using a 1,000 peso bill today. Uh, a key difference in, with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that uh, expression of central bank liability. And also, we will have the technology to enforce that. Those, are, those two issues are extremely important, and that m- makes a huge difference with respect to what, she, to what cash is. So, there's your whole reason for this whole thing. I, I, don't, I don't know why they just come out and say, hey, you need a passport to, uh, to spend money and stuff like that, uh, part of that. But no, they're using this COVID stuff and killing people to do it. We'll be right back after this break. Stay tuned. 
It's hung there on the front porch Since this old house was built It's where the old men whittle Folks, we're living in a world the likes of which we've never perceived any clearer than we do now. The plan for global governance has been in the works for generations and would have likely been achieved by now but for the fact that the globalists left open their Achilles heel. With all their tools, Federal Reserve System, fiat currency, no child left behind, and then Common Core education introduced to our schools to dumb us down, vaccines, pharmaceuticals to lobotomize us, GMO foods, insertion of compromised or bought and paid for politicians, judges, mainstream media propaganda, all pieced together like a puzzle designed to ultimately bring the world under submission. But with all their strategy, they forgot one thing, knowledge and knowledge is power. With knowledge, their bombardment is nullified. Folks, with that, as brilliant and knowledgeable as you've become, among the wisest audience of any radio audience in the world, and you are, I want you to take a moment to reflect and ask yourself, how much of that knowledge did I obtain from Republic Broadcasting Network? How high has my consciousness been raised since I've been a listener? How fast am I now able to discriminate truth from fake news by being a Republic Broadcasting listener? How clear am I now able to see the world since I've been listening to RBN? Ask yourselves those questions, folks. Then ask yourself, what is that knowledge worth to me? Like my morning coffee, how would I survive without it? A voice of truth and a sea of lies. Do we not all need to make sure it survives? Like public broadcasting, we are now finding we can only survive with listener support. Censorship, advertisers being attacked, truth itself being attacked. It's the only way through this. We at Republic Broadcasting humbly ask you to become a supporter. Look at your budget and make a determination of what Republic Broadcasting is worth to you and what you can afford on a monthly basis. Go to republicbroadcasting.org and pledge 20, 30, 40, 50, if possible, 100 a month or more if it's affordable. Click the Donate button and become a regular monthly donor. Assure both us and yourself that Republic Broadcasting Truth will continue to flow like that morning coffee. The network thanks you. Have you been looking for a trusted, long-term storable food company? We have a solution for you. Simply Clean Foods is dedicated to providing the best quality food you can buy next to fresh from a farmer's market. Our line of resealable fruits, vegetables, and meats are suitable for everyday use, and you won't have to worry about throwing away valuable groceries ever again. Our food is completely GMO-free, and our stringent quality controls, plus testing for heavy metals, makes us unique in the storable foods market. Simply Clean Foods' primary focus is to bring clean food to people all around the world and change the way we look at freeze-dried food in our daily cooking. When you purchase from simplycleanfoods.net, not only will you be receiving high-quality food, but you will also be supporting veterans in need across the country and those who are affected by natural disasters. Right now, Amazon Prime members will receive fast two-day shipping. Go to simplycleanfoods.net. That's simplycleanfoods.net. But do it today. hung there on the front porch since this old house was built it's where the old men whittle and the women piece their quill it's held for generations through whatever life could bring That old swing That old porch swing Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Perception Management with Keith Rogers. Uh, that clip beforehand was Catherine Austin Fitz with uh, Dell Bigtree, and you can catch that video over there on BitChute. It's one of the recent ones, and it's well worth watching it. And as a, a note here... Um, which is totally off-topic for anything else like that, but there has been an extreme amount of earthquake activity from the Philippines, Alaska, uh, down in the South Sandwich Islands, uh, 8.2, and in the 7 point, wherever it was, uh, uh, just up there in the Owen Haiti, Uh, and the quakes are continuing this morning there. 
So if you might be concerned in some of these earthquake-prone areas, you might have some kind of a bug-out bag in, in, in case something like that happens. So anyway, that's just a, a PSA type thing. Anyway, uh, Dr. Peter McCullough's uh, five uh, COVID truths, and, uh, you know, he's been uh, sued for a million dollars. So they're trying to blame him, saying he's using the institution that uh, he works for, uh, but actually he's not under contract. So that's a bogus claim. But, again, they're trying to shut down anyone that tells the truth about anything. And these are people that work with diseased people, and uh, it sounds wrong, but it's true. But uh, his number one was that only sick people give it to other people. So this uh, sickness is not asymmetrically uh, uh, passed on. Two, he says we should stop testing uh, for symptomless people. And, of course, we know that the PCR tests are bogus. Three, natural immunity is robust, complete, and durable. And you can see that because for many of us out here today, this allegedly all started in October 2019, and here we are in August of 2021, and out of the so-called millions that are going to die, we're all still here. And as far as population, that from 2019 to 2021, the population has been increasing, not decreasing. So there's another part of their lie. Um uh, da, 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 da. Uh, number four was COVID-19, no matter what the variant, is easily treatable at home with the simple and available drugs. About 88% of the hospitalizations and death is avoidable with uh, early treatment. And the only way people end up in the hospital and have a miserable time is when they receive no treatment. And I watched a video of a doctor who was retired uh, who was in uh, the hospital there, and he watched them deliberately trying to kill another man who is, seemed like he was a runner or something like that. Uh, looks really fit, the other doctor had said. And they had misdiagnosed him, and this is the same thing they did that with that remdesivir that I talked about, where uh, due to these faulty PCR tests, of which now the CDC in their testing is supposed to have one that is supposed to distinguish between the flu and COVID. But they brought all these children in there, over 4,000 of them died by misdiagnosing them as from having the flu to having COVID. And they started administering this non-FDA approved remdesivir on them. And it started blowing up their organs and stuff. And of course they all died of COVID. Isn't that convenient? And the, uh, Current COVID vaccines, AstraZeneca, Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, and Moderna are obsolete. They do not cover the new variants, but yet they keep talking about now getting a third jab and stuff. Even the sick can get a third jab. Well, if you're sick, why would you get a vaccine that even gives you the remotest chance of getting sicker or losing your organs and stuff? But, of course, everyone that you look at that is a doctor now is commenting that it looks like they are just out to try to kill people. So, and of course, that keeps this so-called pandemic going. They think nothing of it, just like the wars and where they kill millions of people. It means nothing to them. Only their pocketbooks and control, the greed, the power. And I digress to all the above there because they actually shut the entire planet down for all this. Yes, everything connected to us by living our own lives while the big corporations stayed open and their employees worked side by side. Only our gatherings were limited, just like the Obama's recent fund fair, where they ignored all the precautions that we have to follow. Allegedly, now two people got sick, but they always do that, just like when the Democrats went to Texas and they all didn't wear a mask on their plane and stuff. And then suddenly they come down with COVID. Well, see, I thought all the White House staff were all vaccinated before. Do you see the lies? Just like all these other politicians that are all getting sick, and yet they're all supposed to have got the, the vaccine there. I'll be back here at the bottom of the hour here, and then I'm going to play a couple short portions of a clip for you. Stay tuned. All my life I've been so lonesome 
If I... You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Hey gang, Patrick Slattery here with an important message that is pertinent to anyone who shops for groceries, eats food, or just has an inquisitive mind like myself. What I'm about to introduce you to is a segment of our food culture that has been kept so low profile to the American public that virtually no one is aware of how dominant it is on our refrigerator and cupboard shelves. What I'm talking about is the kosher certification industry and the new app, Koshertified, that delivers a comprehensive education on all aspects regarding this little-known practice. After reviewing this app, I found that it is useful for practically anyone who purchases food, regardless of their religious faith or identity. Its database of products not kosher certified is a win-win convenience for all food-conscious people. So why not check out thekosherquestion.com or click on the link at nationalbugle.com and see how modifying your grocery shopping with the Koshertified app can make a huge difference for your future. Extendivite 7 Herb Formulation is approved to help maintain cardiovascular health and help lower blood lipid levels in adults. Extendivite is made from hawthorn, garlic, valerian, cayenne, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, and milk thistle. The herbs at Extendivite have been chosen for their ability to help with overall health. Many people have reported improved energy and stamina in just a few months. If you think you could feel just a little bit better, then Extendivite may just be for you. Extendivite is an all-natural supplement. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. That's H-E-A-R-T-D-R-O-P.com. Extend your life Homeowners, are you in foreclosure expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Well, I woke up Sunday morning with no way to hold my head didn't hurt and the beer the I, I had, had for, breakfast for breakfast wasn't bad, wasn't bad. <laughs> so I had one more I don't have beer I have oxy welcome back everyone you know uh, I have a, like I mentioned a couple of clips here but uh, what gets me is politicians who can go out and do their hair fly to Mexico Ted Cruz you know, and have all their large gatherings with Davos and stuff like that. But we aren't allowed to do that, as we might be called the super spreaders. But, uh, and again, I have a, a clip here that's 30 minutes long, and I just want to play a few minutes of it. And uh, I hope that uh, you'll uh, uh, catch on to what's going on here. But this uh, doctor is Jewish, and he served with the White House as one of Trump's doctors. And he is talking to three rabbis over in Israel about Pfizer, the what Bibi Netanyahu was doing, and the basic, well, he, he put it this way. There are certain Jews, of which he called a genocide against the Jews, who are pushing this, this evil pandemic to... Uh, uh, build their new world order and that's basically what he says 
So uh, with that there, uh, let me see where we're at there. Uh, where would I put it? It would be, uh, oh, there we are. His name is uh, Zelensky, and it is, go back up here. Uh, yeah, uh, clip number five. It's uh, Zelensky, Trump's uh, doctor, tells Israel that they are genociding the Jews. So clip number five, please, and I'll tell you when to stop. Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. Dr. Zelenko is a board-certified family physician for over 20 years. He has been described by his patients as a family member to thousands of families and is a medical advisor to the Volunteer Ambulance Corps in Curious Joel, New York. Dr. Zelenko developed his now famous Zelenko Protocol, which has saved countless lives worldwide. So uh, welcome, Dr. Zelenko. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I would like you to uh, comment on our uh, subject, please. Thank you so much for having me. Can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Very good. So I'll just give you quickly my, my experience. My team has directly treated uh, successfully 6,000 patients. I've trained hundreds of physicians who are now training their students. And as a cumulative group, we've treated millions of patients successfully. Uh, President Trump was my, my patient. Rudy Giuliani was my patient. Reb Chaim Konevsky has been my patient. Uh, Rabbi Lit Mr. Litzman, your health minister of Israel last year, was my patient. I'm, ju I'm just telling you um, which people have contacted me for care, and including President Bolsonaro of Brazil. Now, uh, my experience has given me a very uh, unique perspective in, in approaching COVID-19, which is basically keeping people out of the hospital. Uh, I would like to describe, the, regarding children, the only reason you would want to treat a child is if you believe in child sacrifice, or even the voters are. If you, if you want to be mocked of children, uh, like a carbon, very good reason to give them the shot. Otherwise, um, there's no necessity. Let me explain. Any Anytime you evaluate any therapeutic, you need to look at it, at it from three perspectives. Is it safe? Does it work? And do you need it? Just because you have a capability doesn't mean that you have to use it. There has to be a medical necessity. There has to be a need for it. You look at the CDC, the statistics for children under the age of 18 that are healthy, the survival rate is 99.998% survival rate with no treatment. Just like Dr. Yudin said, the influenza virus is more dangerous to children than uh, COVID-19, and he made an estimate that per million a hundred children would die from the vaccination. I, with him, I feel the number would be significantly higher, and I'll explain to you the rationale for it. So, if you have a demographic, can you hear me? We hear you, excellent, doctor. If you have a demographic that has no risk of dying from an illness, why would you inject them with a poison death shot? He's speaking of children. Now. Let's see if this thing works. The two countries in the world that are most vaccinated its citizens is Israel, a high, like 85% rate of vaccination, and an island nation in the Indian Ocean called Seychelles, also over 80%. Both countries are experiencing a Delta variant outbreak. So let me ask you a question. If you vaccinated... If you vaccinated... Your, the majority of your population. Why are you still having an outbreak? That's number one. Number two, why would you even give a third shot of the same stuff that didn't work the first two times? All right, that's, that's whether or not it works. And let's talk about safety. Now, this is the real issue. There are three levels of uh, safety or death that we need to look at. One is acute, one is subacute, and long-term. Acute, I'll define from the moment of injection till three months. The number one risk of the shot is blood clots, just like Dr. Yudin said, according to the Salk Institute. Oh, by the way, everything I'm saying, I will defend with documentation. Uh, and please don't take my word for it. You should do your due diligence. 
and I can pro I can provide to you uh, proof for everything that I'm saying. According to the Salk Institute, um, when a person gets an injection of, of these things, quote-unquote, the body becomes a spike-producing factory, making trillions of spikes, which migrate to the endothelium, which is the inner lining of your blood vessels, and it's basically little thorns <clears throat> on the inside of your vasculature. As the blood cells flow through it, they get damaged, they cause blood clots. If that happens in the heart, it's a heart attack. If that happens in the brain, that's a stroke. So we're seeing the number one cause of death in the short term is from blood clots, and most of it is happening within the first three, four days. 40% is happening within the first three days of injection of uh, this poison death shot. Now, the other problem is that it's causing myocarditis or inflammation in the hearts of children, and uh, young adults, I'm sorry, in the hearts of young adults. And the third problem, which is the most disturbing, is according to the New England Journal of Medicine article, their preliminary data, the miscarriage rate in the first trimester, woman gets vaccinated in the first trimester, goes from 10% to 80%. I want you to understand what I just said. The miscarriage rate in the first trimester of pregnant women, when they get vaccinated, goes up by a factor of eight. That's preliminary data. It may change with time, but I'm just telling you what it is as of today. That's the smallest of the problem. The second problem is the subacute death issue, which is the following, that the animal studies that were done with these uh, vaccines show that all the animals responded well in generating antibodies. When they were challenged, however, with the virus that they were immunized against, a large percentage of them died. And when that was investigated, it was found that their immune system had killed them. It's called something uh, antibody-dependent enhancement or pathogenic priming or paradoxical immune enhancement. But the point is that a lot of those animals died. So you can make an argument, maybe human beings are different. My answer to you is maybe. However, those studies were not done. You are the study right now. The Pfizer CEO said Israel is the biggest laboratory in the world. And so those long-term studies to rule out, Dr. Luke Montague, who won the Nobel Prize in Medicine for the discovery of HIV, said that this is the biggest risk to humanity and the biggest risk of genocide in the history of humanity. All right, that's good. Thank you, Sam. Well... He goes on to directly point fingers at Bibi and Pfizer for pushing this. And, of course, the United States bows to everything Israel says anyway. So, But uh, one of the leading questions that most people are asking now is, what in the hell is in the vaccine? Again, all the breakouts are coming from people that have been vaccinated, and now they're talking about getting regular shots all the time until you're dead. Um, anyway, I've mentioned a little bit about here with uh, Afghanistan. The U.S. is a little bit PO'd there at uh, the Taliban because of their embassy. But uh, they were seen shredding their papers and burning things just like it was on the exit of Saigon. But this is how wars come into existence. So I have a video. It's off of YouTube there. And I just want to play a few minutes of it. It's kind of like the introduction here. And uh, Shane Brady is is being questioned here. Uh, the guy speaking is basically directing his uh, comments towards Shane Brady, where he worked as a humanitarian uh, airfield for 15 years. Uh, and, of course, he was challenged to debate, which he withdrew from. Uh, not him, but uh, the Shane Brady did. But... This is basically how things work in foreign policy. So with that, Mr. Producer, that YouTube of clip six, please. I got a, a request or a challenge to a debate recently, and I think it gives me a good opportunity to talk about how modern day empire works. Now, the person who challenged me to a debate is a man named Shane Brady. Shane Brady is a man who for 15 years has done what some people might call humanitarian work around the world in places like Myanmar, Libya, Iran, Pakistan, Laos. And so 
he was upset about my coverage of Myanmar, and he accused me of lying, although he never was able to really give me an, a specific example of something that, that I lied about. And he claimed that he could debunk everything that I said. And, I mean, some of the things that I said are just basically, they're, they're documented. There, there's no way to refute it, but somehow he was going to debunk it. And I, I understand why he's emotional, because I used to be in his shoes uh, and actually, Shane and I are not really all that different. There's one fundamental difference, and I'll get into that in just a moment, but let's think about it. I am a former U.S. Marine. When I was 17 years old, I joined the U.S. Marine Corps, and I was in the Marine Corps for uh, almost four years. I got out right before my contract was, was up because I did not agree with what was going on, and I wanted to get out. And I even had people... Uh, in my command, telling me, just wait six more months and you could get your benefits and then you could get out. Why are you doing this? It's because it, it, it was more important to do the right thing than to wait even another day and help contribute. That, that is how strongly I felt about it. So I was in what you would call the military force uh, part of the American empire. This the military force and there's the administrative force. And this is how empire has always worked. You have the military go into a country and take over. And you have the administrative force come in and then run the country. They, they build over the rubble. And the political order that they put in place answers to whoever sent the army to destroy everything in the first place. And so this is what the U.S. does. So they do it through the U.S. military and, and contractors and everyone associated with, with that side. And then the administrative force is USAID. It's USAID, it's NED, uh, the, the NED gets the client regime ready and puts them into power. USAID is the one trying to get people peeled away from whatever central government is operating in that country. Get them peeled away and dependent on USAID. Uh, and then they can turn those people against the government who were previously dependent on the government. This is a trick that Empire has used forever. And this is just the, the mod most modern iteration of this process. And so I was in the military force. Shane Brady was in the administrative force. Uh, the fundamental difference is at a very young age, I, I woke up and I snapped out of it. And I realized what I was doing and I got out. I've been trying to make up for it ever since. I will never forget. And this is why I kind of sympathize with uh, Shane here. Because when I was 18, when I was in the military, I was a young Marine. And I, I was deployed to Japan. And we were going into the, the base and there was a protest by Japanese people who wanted us out. And I said, why? I said out loud to someone next to me, and they agreed with me. I said, why are they so upset? We're here to protect them. That's actually how you think when, you're, when you have that point of view. And I have no doubt that Shane Brady honestly thinks that he is doing something good by working for the administrative force side of American empire. He might not even understand that it is empire, or he might think that American empire is necessary. Because there are people who, who think that. So I, I want to show you this TED Talk. Now, for me, I, I can't stand TED Talks. Uh, and this one is revolting. And you'll see why in just a moment. But it's by Thomas Barnett. He works for the U.S. Department of Defense and also the Naval War College. So he's, he works with the government. He's not just some uh, random commentator. He has a say and influence over policy to some degree or another. And this is him talking about how America needs to reorganize its military force and its administrative force. And he spells it out explicitly. Let's listen. If the United States fights somebody, we're going to be huge. They're going to be small. And if they try to fight us in a traditional, straight-up manner, we're going to kick their ass. Which is why people don't try to do that anymore. There is no battle space the U.S. military cannot access. They said we couldn't do Afghanistan, we did it with ease. They said we couldn't do Iraq. We did it with 150 combat casualties in six weeks. We did it so fast, we weren't prepared for their collapse. I think we have an unparalleled capacity to wage war. I call that the Leviathan Force. What we need to build is a force for the everything else. I call them the system administrators. What I think this really represents is the lack of an A to Z rule set for the world as a whole for processing politically bankrupt states. What does this mean? It means you've got to stop pretending you can do these two very disparate skill sets with the same 19-year-old switching back morning, afternoon, evening, morning, afternoon, evening. Handing out aid, shooting back. Handing out aid, shooting back. It's too much. The 19-year-olds get tired from the switching. 
That force on the left, you can train a 19-year-old to do that. That force on the right is more like a 40-year-old cop. You need the experience. What does this mean in terms of operations? The rule is going to be this. That sysadmin force is the force that never comes home. Does most of your work. You break out that Leviathan force only every so often. But here's the promise you make to the American public, to your own people, to the world. You break out that Leviathan force, you promise, you guarantee, you're going to mount one hell of a, immediately, follow-on sysadmin effort. Other differences. Leviathan, traditional partners, they all look like the Brits and their former colonies. <laughs> Including us, I would remind you. The rest wider array of partners, international organizations, non-governmental organizations, private voluntary organizations, contractors. You're not going to get away from that. Leviathan Force is all about joint operations between the military services. We're done with that. What we need to do is interagency operations. And you've got to wage war here in such a way to facilitate that. And some people will say, okay, well, that's just Thomas Barnett. He's just saying that. How, how do we know that that's actually official U.S. foreign policy? Well, I was just talking about USAID, right? And USAID is a key component in counterinsurgency strategy. The U.S. government, for, for many different departments, uh, the U.S. State Department, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which is where this manual is from, and the different branches of the U.S. military, they have counterinsurgency manuals, and they're all basically the same. And if you type in USAID, you'll notice that 40 results are returned. And why is that? That's because they are part of the administrative force. When you're doing counterinsurgency, think about it. When the U.S. is doing counterinsurgency, it's because their military force invaded a country, destroyed a government, put a client regime into place, and now they're trying to keep that one from being thrown out of power by an insurgency. So now you have counterinsurgency. And USAID is meant to come in there and take over all of the key essentials that people need on a daily basis. Water, food, electricity, uh, sanitation services, uh, sewage, garbage collection, things like that, uh, healthcare, education, communications, media. USA goes in and they take over all of that. That's what they do. And even when the U.S. doesn't invade a country, maybe they're using proxy militants, or maybe there's no militants at all. Maybe it's just an opposition that the U.S. National Endowment for Democracy is building up and getting ready to take over. USA will go in there and start peeling communities away from their dependency on the central government and getting them dependent on this Western-backed client regime that they're building. All right. Thank you, Sam. Well, that's how it is. Uh, when he first mentioned that about Japan, uh, Japan over in Okinawa is tired of the U.S. military planes dropping their parts on their schools as well as U.S. soldiers raping their women. In Afghanistan, where he boasted about what they did to Afghanistan, well, <laughs> look what Afghanistan is today. Iraq is no different, where Biden is trying to do a rematch of the 2008-9 SOFA agreement that George Bush had signed and Obama enacted in December 31st of uh, 2011, where back then the U.S. wanted to use their stay-behind forces, just as he's mentioning, and uh, Iraq wanted to be able to prosecute those for war crimes. Uh, those were, you know, like trainers and stuff. And the U.S. is using the same exact uh premise today as a reason trying to stay there and the Arab Muslims of the Middle East want the United States out uh, which is their countries and again it all centers around oil and this Western Centers for Democracy and USA they're all tied to CIA uh, and these are just known for destroying countries uh, that had functional governments just like it was, say with Syria where the US again is stealing oil uh, imposing massive sanctions, causing millions to flee or live in these little tent cities and stuff. And all Americans can do is feel indignant when they have people coming into their countries. And this is the same thing down in Central and South America to where you have the massive amount of immigration. And he mentions Myanmar. Well, Israeli arms were sent to Myanmar, and this is because China had basically built Myanmar up there with a billion dollar loan for their debt 
and they made a little Las Vegas type stuff where only the Chinese billionaires and stuff would go. I suppose even the other ones, but but it was a playground, and the people, due to their religious beliefs in Myanmar, they couldn't gamble or any of that stuff like that. Uh, but they were, and I've highlighted this, where they're rebuilding the road to Burma right now. And as the massive old-growth timber comes down, the opium fields go in. And this is all well-documented. Um, but this is what they do. Instead of just telling, say, Myanmar, hey, we'll give you a billion dollars, cancel your debt with China, and we'll go from there. But no, they start these coups. And again, it's it's a fight for power, and it's always the United States and Israel somehow tied in there, just like during the Contras, where the, Israel was selling the uh, or sending the PLO uh, arms seized uh, over to the Contras there. But uh, it's constant conflict, just like in uh, Honduras and uh, Colombia, where thousands have been assassinated who were union and civil rights leaders. These are the same ones that are charged with mining the trees. I guess you call it mining, uh, deforestating the trees all down through Peru and stuff to send that lumber and stuff uh, over to Germany. And of course, they blame this climate change on there by the deforestation. But these big corporations—they're the ones doing it. But see, we're the ones that are supposed to pay for everything—a global tax on something. Just like with all these, like when the Alaska earthquake happened uh, here uh, a little bit ago, the 8.1 up there, uh, three volcanoes went off up there. Well, think of the uh, trillions of metric tons of, uh, of carbon and stuff being released in sulfur. Uh, no different than when it happens in another area all throughout Indonesia and stuff. Are they, are they going to start charging countries for their volcanoes that are emitting this uh, CO2 and stuff? Uh or that's natural, you know. I mean, right now it's so smoky here in Montana, it's pathetic like that because of the fires we've got burning uh, adjacent to the states here. And there's a few in Montana here. But but it's always our fault, just like when our forest service here, they, uh, they touch off what they call a prescribed burn. And that gets out of control and takes out thousands of acres of trees. And, of course, due to that, we're restricted on burning our little wood stoves and stuff like that. But anyway... But anyway, this is how foreign policy works and stuff. Anyway, uh, uh, finally over there in uh, in France, a woman uh, protester over there was walking around with a sign there. It was a primitive one, but it named all the ruling class elites names uh, who have willfully stolen the rights of her countrymen. Uh, she was promptly arrested by the police for Jew hatred. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's an actual article. But uh, that's uh, one of those Voltaire type of uh, things. If you want to see who rules above you, try criticizing them. Um, anyway, if you can help support this network, please do so or its host. And uh, uh, up next is Truth Media Reloaded with Tom Ra uh, Lacavera. Uh, Sam, thank you in the control room for your great help today. All the listeners out there and, and even those in the chat room that helped look up some articles there. So... Catch you next week there. Good morning or afternoon from Montana, and we'll talk to you later. On the sleeping city sidewalks Sunday morning coming down
a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748. 855, the number two, keep it today. 